Thank you so much for listening to DNVR Biz. For the 95% of you that are listening to this through a mobile device, I would really appreciate it if you opened up that app right now and gave this a five-star review. It's the only way for this podcast to become more visible and reach more people. Thanks again. Welcome to DNVR Biz. I'm Brandon Spano, and we have another good show for you today. Uh, Today we are talking to a Denver sportscasting legend in Vic Lombardi. When you think of sports media in Vic, when you think of sports media in Denver, man, there's a couple guys that come into thought as far as, you know, that Mount Rushmore. Vic Lombardi's definitely one of them, if not the guy. So really excited to have Vic Lombardi on. This was an interesting one because just hours before he was scheduled to come on the show, he tweeted, Something pretty controversial that stirred up social media quite a bit and has a lot of people coming after him. So I had a chance to ask him about that. I was pretty busy this morning, so I didn't even have really a chance to consume a lot of the takes and responses on Twitter and didn't even really have a chance to to think about it further than kind of my initial attitude of uh, around Vic and, and, you know, what I thought he meant. And I'm going to be clearly biased because I know Vic personally and, and I'm a big fan of Vic Lombardi. Before we go to the interview, let's uh, jump to the quote of the day here. I just finished the pilgrimage today. I'm starting Skin in the Game by Nassim Taleb, which I've been waiting to read for quite a while. Finally started that. But uh, our last quote here comes from the pilgrimage. And this one's towards the very end of the book. Uh, this one caught me. Few can accept the burden of their own victory. Most give up their dreams when they see that they can be realized. They refuse to fight the good fight because they do not know what to do with their own happiness. They are imprisoned by the things of the world, just as I have been when I wanted to find my sword before I even knew what I would do with it. Okay, let's jump to stocks here. Here's an interesting one, and this is going to kind of coincide with Bitcoin because this one is GBTC. This is Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. It's an investment vehicle, actually. It enables investors to gain access and exposure to the price movement of Bitcoin in the form of traditional security without buying, storing, or or safekeeping Bitcoins directly, right? So this is the this is the old guy's way of buying Bitcoin. I, I look at this often because it usually correlates with what Bitcoin is doing. Bitcoin is way up, so this is way up. Uh, this is up to $12.15 right now. It's up 17% in the last uh, 24 hours. And that coincides with Bitcoin, which is way up right now. $10,332, up 5% here over the last uh, 24 hours. So Bitcoin is really cruising, which means uh, those portfolio balances if you own Bitcoin. When it goes up like that, that's the thing that's crazy about Bitcoin. If you were to own an entire Bitcoin You just made $1,000 in the last 24 hours. So there's not really any assets that you can make money like that on. If you were to own 10 Bitcoins, for example, you just made 10K uh, today. So it's, it's pretty crazy the way that that can work. Okay, let's jump to the interview now with the one and only Vic Lombardi. Oh, cantare. Oh, let's fly. Way up to the clouds, away from the maddening crowds. We can sing in the glow of a star that I know of, where lovers enjoy peace of mind. 
Let us leave the confusion and all this illusion behind. All right. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for making time for me today, Vic. What's going on, man? I'm good, man. How you doing? Hanging in there. Hanging in there. We've got looks like another. You know, the Marlins look like they're uh, kind of Jesus had a blowout. Little... By the time this uh, this podcast airs, I don't know how quickly you turn this around, but <laughs> I have no idea where Major League Baseball is going with this because it's a, it's a scary situation, man. I mean, it could could lead to a domino effect. It could not. You know, I I hope it doesn't. I, I I'm one who hopes that sports continues. I don't want sports to stop. I think sports is important for us. Yeah. Me too. Uh, me too. Me too. I absolutely agree with that. And, and I think that it's, you know, whether it's a positive or a negative, that can be argued. It's part of the fabric of our society. And, and, and I mean that as in like, it's, it's part of, it's one of the pieces that holds it together. Well, it's community, Brandon, right? I mean, there are a few things that bring a community together that aren't apolitical or religious, and that thing is sports. Oh, you know, we all don't go to the same church. We all don't vote for the same people. But I tell you what we do here in Colorado, especially, we cheer for the same teams. We pull for the same athletes. We wear the same jerseys. We follow the same colors. It's communal. And I don't care what anybody says. Now, listen, nobody likes COVID. I don't want to die. You don't want to die. You don't want to see people die. But if sports can happen... And it's proven it has happened. The NBA's doing it. NHL's going to do it. We need it. We need it, man. It makes us better. It makes us happier. It makes us normal. It really does. Let's talk about, so there's a lot of turmoil going on right now because just hours ago you tweeted something that I think a lot of people find uh, you know, crass or crass or, or mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure a lot of other words. Uh, based on your timeline, lots of other words. And, and essentially, I mean, I think I understand what you're trying to say. You said people die every day. When a COVID vaccine is found, people will still die. Do you want to live or just wait to die? And the thing about Twitter is that, you know, this is, you used about, first off, you used probably about 80 of your 200 character limit there, which, which, is, which is not the point. But, but what happens here is that people can take this, any way that they want, Vic. And, and I shouldn't even say any way that they want because that makes it sound like they're molding it into something bad. And some people are. And then other people just read this as Vic doesn't care about life and death and he just thinks we should all be out here and letting people die. Well, to be fair, if I read this in a vacuum and I didn't know who said it, I would say, God, look at this crass asshole. He has no empathy or sympathy for anyone. Right. But it's in reaction to what someone else said. It's in reaction to sports. It's in reaction to what's happening. Mm. It's not a general blank statement to what we're facing. If this were a general blank statement, I would have to defend a lot more. I'm saying that pro athletes, okay, young pro athletes, they are in an environment that I would contend is safer than any environment we have. Who do you think is going to survive this more? The pro athlete who has all the medicine and all the testing he can have or some rando dude that lives somewhere else that doesn't know what he's running into. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, pro athletes are the least of our concerns during COVID. They're going to be well taken care of. So if they're well taken care of, by God, play on. 
Yeah, especially I think in in cases where. Uh, if we were to abide by that rule, uh, it would be especially in cases where these guys aren't touching anybody else uh, and, and they're playing in bubbles. The MLB guys aren't, which that was probably a mistake. That was definitely a mistake. But in the sense that you're not going out and going through large populated areas, seeing family and all, if this is that 60 games in a vacuum. All you're seeing is is the people who play with you kind of a thing. And the situation is just like you've said, hey, these guys are at the absolute epitome of health and fitness and compared to the rest of the uh, American population, then I, I think there's a point to be made there. I don't, I, I just think that in general, People see this quote, Vic, and, and and what it looks like is, hey, go out and, and live your life no matter what's going on out there because we just can't be scared of death. And I just honestly, over the last probably four months, we've probably just seen too much death, even if it's within numbers and through media, because I don't know anybody who's died of it, but I don't doubt the 140,000 who have in this country. I think that because of that, a quote like that catches a lot of attention and raises a lot of eyebrows, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you could be honest with me. I mean, if you think it's too crass, it's too crass, but what, what about that quote? I mean, is, I feel like I understand it. Like, like I wouldn't tweet that, <laughs> but I feel like I, when you said it, and it's probably because I know you, and I'm probably biased because I really like you. So I, I, I said like, mm, I kind of get this. I get what he's saying here. Like, I, I, I feel yeah, like I, I feel and, it and, and I get and, it. And I don't mean to offend or disrespect anyone who has been, listen, who's lost a loved one. I, I know someone who died from this and I don't want to die from this. I don't want to get this. I've got a kid who's got bad asthma. I don't want him to get it. Obviously, I want to dodge this as much as I can. The only point I'm making, nowhere in that comment is there something that's not factual. Death doesn't go away. And we try what we can as a society to avoid it. We do everything we can. I get it. I want to avoid it as much as I possibly can. But at some point, at some point, you have to say, well, Let's take a step outside. Let's take a step outside our sphere and see what we can do at some point. I'll give you another example. When that whole Major League Baseball thing went down today, how many of the NFL types said, well, the NFL can't go on. Obviously, the NFL's done. There's no use doing the NFL. I mean, you know, you, you know what, what is it, 80 guys on the field together? Nope, it's impossible. Okay, I'm going to take that theory. So you don't want to have 80 guys on the field who are going to be tested every day young professional athletes, but it's okay to have 80 kids in school. So should we shut down the schools again? Where does it end? Should we shut them down? You tell me. You know, here's the thing is I probably, the way I look at this stuff is that I always feel like I'm just not informed enough to make any of these decisions, you know, and that's why you don't see me coming out. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't, but I'm just saying like, it doesn't mean that anybody shouldn't. What I, I, I what I'll say is I see a ton of overreaction. I think all over, I think that it leads and dominates Twitter. And when it comes to actually making like big claims on what we should and shouldn't do, I always feel like I, I just don't, I just don't have enough information in front of me. As soon as I think well, of something, some, I learn something and then it changes my mind. Yeah. And so I'm just like, boy, if I would have just written down everything I felt over the last couple of weeks, I feel like I would have just been a walking contradiction, Listen, you know? Brandon, I, I, you know, Twitter's its own beast. I, I, I'm not as out there as like, like Clay Travis every day tries to defend 
you know, the whole thing. And I, there's no defense. Corona sure. is deadly. And what it is is deadly. And we have to do whatever we can to steer clear of it. Uh, if it means masks, if it means shutting down portions of society, fine. But you got to be consistent with that. If you're going to shut down a sports league and they're young professional athletes, then you got to shut down a school, right? Because the argument is, well, these athletes can't be taken at home with them. Okay. Kid can't take it home with him. I agree. I agree with that. I mean, if you here, here's what I would say emphatically is that if you have school, then you have sports. And if you don't have school, then you don't have sports. I it's think that's, that's pretty simple. Yeah, it's that simple. And I would argue that sports is safer than school. These athletes have medicine and health. I mean, have you seen the setup oh, they have oh, at Broncos headquarters? Way, sports is way safer for the athletes than not. Oh, my God. It's not even close. Have you seen the Especially setup in, they have? A lot of these guys are playing – That a lot of these guys are living in communities where all of those people are working no matter what the conditions are because they're working our in our grocery stores and they're working yeah. in our markets and they're working in our liquor stores and, and all of these places that remain open no matter what. Hey, Brandon, what does it tell you? Because I hear this, well, you know, what about the guys who are at risk? And to each his own, if a guy doesn't want to play, all the respect in the world to you, I will not hold it against you. But what does it tell you when a guy like Von Miller, who has bad asthma, bad asthma, contracted COVID, was tested positive, and is eager to return to playing as if nothing happened? You right. think Von Miller's, is he scared? Is Von no, Miller scared? No, of course not. Of course not. Okay. I mean, listen, there, it, it, there's a certain – I mean, none of these guys are going to be scared because these guys are – I mean, if you're playing in the NFL, you're probably not going to be scared of something that you can't see regardless. Now, I will say that it seems like the league's one doctor decided not to play. That throws up a little bit of a red flag probably. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, everyone's going to have a different opinion. But how many sure. doctors have different opinions? I have doctors too that have different opinions about me I agree. and my diagnosis. Sure, doctors sure. differ. Do you feel like you beating cancer and in and not only beating cancer, but I talk to you on a regular basis? It's not that you just beat cancer; you're continuously living a lifestyle to try to continue to beat it, getting tests. And I say, hey, how was the test? You tell me, still negative, looking good and stuff. So, do you think that changes when when you've, for lack of a better term, knocked well, on death's door? Has that changed your perspective on COVID? No. If anything, it's emboldened me at any even more to be honest with you it's okay. it's, it's maybe here, here's what it's done and, and and i'm going to tell you something about and i don't mean this to make this about me but okay. anybody who listens to this this will give you a perspective of why i come from where i come from okay there is no cure for cancer now, everybody's going to say hey man you beat cancer i didn't beat jack shit i got a 72 percent chance of reoccurrence in my next 10 years okay there ain't no beating shit it's wow. going to come back and eventually i'm going to face it again and eventually I'm going to beat it again. And I'm going to keep fighting and fighting and fighting until it gets me. That's just the way it is. Okay. Wow. And, and not everybody's willing to say that. And I'm not going to paint this picture that everything's rosy and pretty and perfect, but you want me to stop living? What do you want me to do? Exactly. You want me to do with a lot of these, do you want me to just go in a bubble? Do you want me to turn off sports? Do you want me to stop working out, playing golf? What do you want me to do with that prognosis exactly? And that's what I am saying to a lot of these folks. I get it. This is awful what we're facing around the world. It's awful. Nobody wants to see this pandemic, but we can manage it. We have found ways. There are good stories out there. We can find the good in this. We have to live. 
Brandon. Well, I'll Lynn. tell you this. I, I will tell you this, and and I I, I didn't tweet this because even though I found it moving and interesting, because I, I just didn't want the claims to go with it. And and there's a lot of people who disagree with it, and I respect those disagreements and stuff too. So, but but anyway, I'll tell you this. You know, I talked to my grandfather who's in his mid seventies and uh, he's dealt with all kinds of stuff. He actually beat a form of cancer, uh, you know, in his, in his fifties. And then, you know, he's like on oxygen now because mm-hmm. off and on he's got celiac, he's got all kinds of stuff, but uh, he keeps moving on and doing his thing. He's an old North Denver Italian. And, and actually, you know, he went to the same barber as your dad did in the old neighborhood for the last 40 Dan's years. Barber. Sam's Barbershop. That's right. That's right. With the Sam's, just like everybody else. And anyway, you know, I asked him if they started going out because they've been in quarantine, you know, been been in their house for four months. And he said, yeah, we just went to a restaurant last week. We went to church this week, whatever. And I, I, you know, I voiced concern and said, hey, you got to be careful. And he said, Brandon, I don't know how much long I have left. Am I supposed to hide in my house for the rest of my life? And, you know, that really kind of drew my attention. You know, it doesn't mean that I, that I think that the world should live like that or I'm against being safe or anything. But that was just, that was a perspective of someone that I care about that was, that I, I said, yeah, maybe I'd make the same damn decision if I was him and I didn't know what I have going on. And I would want to go. And that's all you can do, right? So I respect people that tell me, hey, we got to do this and that. But you got to respect my opinion too. That's all I'm saying is respect each other's opinions. You know, my mother and father, they're in their 70s. My mom went to King Supers the other day and I said, Ma, let us go to the damn store mm. for you, okay? Calm down, let us go to the store. She says, no, I like going to the store. I like it, it makes me feel the way I feel. I like picking out my ingredients. So she's taking a chance every time she steps foot in there. I get it, we all get it. But what, is she the devil now because she does that? She wears a mask, she does what she's supposed to do. All I'm saying, gosh, man, where have, we, where, where have we gone from, you know, allowing people to make their own choices? We live, Brandon, in the greatest country in the world. And I'm ashamed that when I say that, I've said it so many times on Twitter today, that people say, well, how dare you say that, given the fact of the, the way this country's reacted to this? Doesn't change what I just said. We live in the greatest country in the world. When my parents came to this country, they had a choice of every other country in the globe. They chose this country for a reason. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I'm proud of that. And I'll never step down from that. I grew up around immigrant family that said the exact same thing to me my entire life. It's really tough to not believe that when you grew up that way. And, you know, I listen, in my opinion, I think it's wrong to condemn somebody that has the belief that they love America. Like there's a lot of issues here. It doesn't mean that everything's right. We, there's oh. so many things that, that need to be fixed, but at the end of the day, you know, there's still a lot of opportunity here for people like us, for people like, like everybody, people still come here all of the time, you know, so that they can try to live a better life and they end up living a better life yeah. tons of them all, all over the, all we, over. We the- got some work to do, Brandon. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend that things are hunky-dory all the time. We, we've seen here in the last couple of months, we've made some advancements. We've got a lot of work to do. But trust me when I say this, because I've been to other countries, <laughs> and so have you and so have a lot of listeners here. 
I would rather not, I, I'd rather live here than anywhere else. So, it, it, and that's just, that's not, hey, get out if you don't like it. That's not that approach. That's not that at all. I'm just saying we can fix things a lot easier here than we could in other countries. That's all. I agree totally. And you know what? It, the thing is, is that it seems to be that, you know, people either want one way or the other. You can say what we just said, and then you can also say that we have a ton of problems here and that there's lots of change that needs to happen and lots of things that need to be fixed and a lot of processes that need repaired. You can, both of those things can, can live in the same world. Yes. And you know what, when this is all said and done and things go back to normal, I, I, I just hope we don't have to deal with this anymore and argue like we're, argue, I, I miss the days where our, our biggest arguments were, you know, how much do you hate the Dodgers or Lakers? I mean, now, now, now we're getting deep, right? Our arguments are much deeper than they were six months ago. And a lot of people can't handle it. And a lot of, te- a lot of people take it personally. And a lot of people call you names. I've always believed, see, I come from an Italian family where you ain't, if you ain't arguing, you ain't talking. So disagreeing is just part of daily conversation and daily dialogue. You have, you know, disagreeing is, is normal. It's okay. It's okay that you don't have the same opinion. Why do people take shit personally? I mean, they take it so personally. I say things that are like, you must be the worst person on earth. No, I just disagree with you. That's all. Well, this is a business pod. So let's potentially talk business on this thing. Let's go to your story here. And, you know, I I guess just before we jump to how everything's changed, which is kind of what I want to talk to you about, because you do new media really well, you do social really well. You started at a very young age in old media when it was at TV, local television, Mm -hmm. and you had to go outside of the market and come back in and the whole deal. So walk us through just how you got into this thing and how you ended back up in your hometown. Well, you know, I I always wanted to be, a sportscaster. I wanted to be one since I was 10 years old, believe it or not. And I grew up watching Ron Zapolo, Les Shapiro, Tom Green. Sorry, Tom, I aged you. I watched all these guys when I was a kid. Marsha Neville, the biggest claim to fame was when Marsha Neville came to Old Holy Family High School during one of our basketball games. And it was a big prep reporter. So I always wanted to do it. Now, if you fast forward from, you know, when I was a kid, some 40 years later, if I tell you that the media is what it is today. I, I've never believed it. I'd never see it. I mean, you, you, you basically carry the media in your pocket on your cell phone. You, right. carry, you carry an audience with you now where it used to be an audience was simply in a studio or in a newspaper or on a radio dial. That's just not the case anymore. Audiences are, are able to go wherever you go. And, and that's the beauty of uh, modern media. And I think if you're in the old media, and you haven't made those advancements, if, if you haven't respected digital media enough, you're a dinosaur, and you're going to go away. So for those of you who are in old media and don't understand that you better make advancements, then sorry, man, so goes evolution. You have to stay with the crowd, and the crowd right now is in digital media, and that's where we're headed. That's where we are, and uh, that's the beauty of, uh, of, of the internet, right? Let's talk about the jump from Channel 4, which everybody saw you at for years, to Altitude Sports. Well, you know, I, yeah, I decided five years ago I was, I was getting a little tired of doing network news. It had nothing to do with Channel 4. I loved it there. I was there for 20 years. Loved the people there. Loved my time there. Loved the job I did there. I loved everything I, I did there. The, the only thing I did not like was working nights and it felt like I kept repeating myself every day. I felt like, okay, I'm doing the same story every day. 
I'm doing the five o'clock. I'm doing the six o'clock. I'm doing everything and it sounds all the same. So I just wanted to change, to be honest with you. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do a little more, you know, more than a two minute show. And so it came to a point where I was just tired of doing local news and uh, the altitude folks opened their arms up and I said, let's do it. Let's make the leap. It was scary. It was challenging. It wasn't easy. Can't tell you I liked it as much at first because I was used to an organized set schedule and it was a little different, but I'm glad I made the move. I, I really am because taking a look back, it's, it's opened my eyes up to a lot of things. I mean, new media is where it's at. It's a much more challenging enterprise right now in the local news sector. It just is. And those people are working harder than ever. I have all the respect in the world for them. You never know. I may go back at some point. You never know. So I don't want to, you know, close that door. But at the same time, it's not what it once was. That's a fact. What is the future look like for local news channels? The fours and sevens and nines and, and the, you know, the, the local actual TV stations in each market. Well, news is always going to be there. Local stations are always going to exist. I, I, you know, you can't take that away because otherwise, how are you going to provide that story? How are you going to provide those resources? You local, I mean, you guys are local, right? I mean, right. everything, you got to have that local base. You can't rely on a national base to provide you the local news. Otherwise you won't get it. So local news will always be there. It's just the, re, the reliance on that, how you get it. There's, there's a lot of different ways to get it. A lot of different times to get it. You know, I knew that local news was different when uh, this was about shit eight years ago. I'll never forget. I, I come home and I was done my dinner break and I show my son, I said, Hey dude, you got to watch the 10 o'clock newscast tonight. I'm going to show this dunk. I'm going to show this dunk from this high school kid. And he goes, Oh, you mean this dunk? And he pulls it up on his phone and says, yeah, I've seen this about 20 times already today. And I said to myself, Oh crap. So by the time I show this tonight, you know, most of the world's already seen this. So the timeliness is gone. So I, I guess that's what you lose a lot is the instantaneous nature of news today. If you want news, you can get it instantly. Local news is still trying to make that, that jump, right? Like how do we provide instantaneous news with some depth to it? That's not easy, man. That takes a lot of resources and a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of it, in my opinion, you can tell me what you think of this is keeping, trying to keep television alive and trying to not create content that conflicts with television. So a TV channel could go out there and say, Hey, we're going to create this 24 seven news product that's stretched across social. There's going to be an app for it, notifications, and we're just going to go all in on this thing. We're going to have people on the ground floor streaming live all the time. We're going to just change the world. But you know, if they do that, there might not be a reason to watch their 10 o'clock news program, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and, and unfortunately, the, the old media, listen, that's where the advertising dollars come in, all right? That's right, that's right. So you, you're figuring that out in, in your enterprise. You, you guys are getting this now. Listen, and I hate to be generational about this, but when people buy media, people are buying, are used to doing it a certain way. So you're selling television media, you're dealing with people that have been doing it for 20 years and they're used to buying a certain thing, an entity, something they see. When you're trying to tell them, well, okay, yeah, you can buy this, but now I want you to buy the digital version. A lot of those people just aren't, they don't understand how that works. How do you monetize it properly? Show it to me. I'm sure you provide data where the monetization is easy to figure out. It's easier than it is television. 
you're just used to doing it a certain way. We've done it a certain way for so long. Making that move to a different monetization has been harder than anybody ever imagined. I thought it had been done by now. I thought five years ago, I said, well, once they figure out how to monetize this internet stuff, it's, you know, man, it's great. There's monetization to be made, but you notice everything else is still, I mean, local news has still not gone away. We're still doing those, those, those radio shows every single day because people listen in their cars every single day. There's still advertising dollars there. I still read a newspaper every single day. Those things aren't gone. They're not gone and I don't think they're gonna go anywhere. So let's change this conversation over to sports broadcast. How do you think that's gonna change in the near future? Because I'm seeing a lot of stuff. Uh, NBA's already launching products where you're starting to be able to choose different camera angles and, and people are playing with virtual reality stuff. Even if you leave that, a lot of people are talking about this idea that you're going to be able to pick different broadcasts and hear different people, you know, talking about your game. So there might be one of your favorite social influencers that's broadcasting a game at some point, And you could watch him talk about it instead of this televised feed and, and just all of these different ideas that came to, that, that seem to be kind of coming into the, into the forefront. Now, what's your, what's your, you know, what do you think when you hear all this and what's your opinion on the future? Hey, man, I think it's brilliant. I think the more you can offer people, the better. Look, I mean, look at cable television. You have a choice of, what, 8,000 channels? People say, my God, I don't need all these channels. Well, people are not all wired the same. They want different options. They want different things they can, they can watch. Same for a broadcast. I know we at Altitude, we're going to start instituting an alternate channel. So you're watching a Nuggets or an Avs game, right? And you're watching the typical play-by-play. Now we're going to have another channel where perhaps there's more of a gambling aspect to it, or there's more of a, let's just watch the game like a bunch of fans aspect to it. So people are going to have choices. You know, when, when they have those national championship football games, isn't it cool? You, you can go to the regular broadcast. You can go to the coach's room where a bunch of coaches are just sitting there watching and them. There's different versions of it. I think that's the future right there. Give people options. Problem is, you're sort of cannibalizing your own broadcast, aren't you? You're, you're, you're taking the broadcast and cutting that audience in fourths or in halves. So, you know, again, that's where the business people got to figure out how to make up the money on the back end. I don't know. Right. I'm not bright enough for that. Right, 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 right. What do you prefer to do? Do you prefer to do in-studio analysis do you prefer to do more like your, your talk show, Let's Talk Sports, or do you prefer to do game broadcasts? What's your, what's your favorite line here? You know, I, I, I like diversity. I like versatility. I like changing it up. I don't like doing the same thing every day. I, I guess I get bored with it, uh, to be honest with you, Brandon. That's, that's one thing. I don't, if every day is the same, I'm out. I, I don't want any part of that. So if we get a chance one day to call the game, great. If we get a chance to sit and, and, and call the game like it's radio, great. That's why I, I really enjoy radio. Radio right now for me is something that it really has reinvigorated my career because every day is different. Every conversation is different. There are really few restrictions, and I enjoy that aspect. I enjoy it more than you, more than you know. So anything that offers that is, is what I'm all about, to be honest with you, because uh, television, as much as I love television, and, and that's where I make most of my money, television can be restrictive, bro. I mean, there can be some, you know, yeah. you can't paint around the corners there. You got you to be inside that box. 
So then what's your opinion on podcasts? Podcasts are great. A podcaster, I've been listening to more and more podcasts over the last few years as ever. Podcasts are clearly essential. Now, if I could give you what a podcast can give you live, great, because podcasts, you know, some are live, some are not. I mean, you know, if there's breaking news this morning when that news broke about the Marlins, and I'm sure a lot of people went straight to their radios or straight to their televisions or straight to their Twitter accounts. So the only thing a podcast can't give you is the live element, the instantaneous reaction. I can give it to you after the fact, you know, moments after. But that's the one thing that radio, television, modern media still can do. If something happens, you get instant reaction. Yeah, and, and, and I do think that even that social media is starting to play a big uh, social media broadcast is starting to play a big part in that when it comes to live streams. So now even beyond, you know, reading, you know, uh, Twitter uh, tweets or Facebook posts about what's going on now, there are people that as soon as something happens saying, Hey, we're going live, Yes. you know, and, and you're, you're getting it on Periscope or, or YouTube live and people are getting notifications immediately. Like, Hey, so-and-so that you really like is talking about what's going on right now. And so people are watching that on their mobile devices. No well. doubt about it. And the numbers increase every year. That audience is only going to get bigger. You know, younger people get it. Older people don't. That's just a fact. You know, my parents don't even know how to turn on a computer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah let's, neither, let's, neither does my let, Let's yeah. be honest here. All right. There, right, right, you, right. You, you, the, the, the more years go by, the easier that is going to be to sell. But, you know, someone said to me, once about like altitude and the issues that we've had with Comcast. And someone said to me, well, why don't you just stream it? And streaming is, well, we'd love to just stream it. I mean, nobody just streams it, but how many older folks that want to watch games that don't know how to stream, that wouldn't know the first thing about streaming. If I said to my mom and dad, hey, just stream the game. My mom and dad would look at me like I had seven heads. What do you mean stream the game? There's no concept of stream. Right, you know how many right, people of course. live among us that are so used to turning on a television and operating it just the way they've done it the last 40 years? Sure. I mean, everybody says, well, just advance. You know, get, get on with – it's not as easy as said. It, That's it's right. It's yeah. easy. I agree. I agree. Hey, well, you know, and here's the thing is I'll say this when it comes to watching game streams. I'm still not even a fan of that because I don't really – to me, like when it comes to games, I want to see that game in 1080p on my so TV, I. man. And I don't want, I don't want to stream the damn thing. I don't want a delay either. I don't want a 30 second delay. I want to be the first to see it. Yeah. I don't want any delays. I don't want to see any glitches. I'm weird like that. That's yeah. what I, I want my crap on my television in a pure video scene. And, and I don't want anyone getting it before I do. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't invite a bunch of people to your house and then uh, hook your computer up to your TV and watch a glitchy stream of it. You no, know? if you have to, you have to, I get right, it. Right, right, right. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're talking about if you have choices here. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Cause some people don't. And then I respect that. So I don't want to turn this to, well, you, you got the means to do that. Okay. I get it. If you don't have the means, you don't have the means, but if you have the means and if you have the choice, I guarantee the choice is give me my big TV and let me watch it live. But you know, television is changing every day. I, there will come a day where man, you know, television is so cheap right now. Have you seen, if you go to Costco, you can buy a TV, you can buy a TV. Now I can't believe how cheap they are. You can buy a, t a TV costs less than a phone. Can you believe that? This phone in my hand costs more than the 65-inch television in my living room. Did you ever think you'd see the day? 
That's actually, yeah, that's, I actually talked about this, this advance in, in mobile technology with someone a couple of weeks ago, and they're essentially saying, you know, the next thing that we have to work on in technology is batteries. And I was saying, well, the problem is the batteries can't keep up because we do keep getting batteries better, but you have a 4K television on here, you know, that's, that's uh, six inches wide here, whatever this is, you know? And so how the hell can you get, and you want to get this, and you want to keep making this thinner and thinner. So yeah, battery's pretty, pretty damn good right here for this thing, you know? Well, and, and, and the battery life is what it is, but every time, I don't know about you, but I get this whole screen reminder thing, like how much time you've spent on your screen. Man, I think this thing's about to blow up. I, I spent way too much time on my screen. It's, it's getting to the point where I'm too reliant on it. I get it. I'm addicted to it. But it is, it is what it is. It's what I do. This is the business I'm in. If I were in the car business, probably wouldn't be on my phone all day. I'm in the media business. Sue me. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's talk about the future of Vic Lombardi. You know, we already talked about your perspective on life because of the things you've been through and the things you're going through and, and whatnot. Have you ever thought of like how long this journey is going to last in media? Have you, have you thought of, I mean, you've been in it essentially your entire adult life, same as me, except you're just way older than me. (laughs) Joking, joking, slightly older. But, but like, what's, you know, have you thought, okay, I'm going to eventually go into this more digital world, create a, a personal thing for like, like, I don't know, just how, how do you think of your career at this point in your, in your career? Well, first of all, I want it to last as long as possible. I mean, I, I'm not one who wants to just, um, you know, I, like my, my good buddy, Gary Miller, he was able to walk away and um, he went and retired. He lives on the West coast. He oh man. I have, feel like I haven't heard the name Gary Miller. Yeah. I talk to Gary all the time and I envy, guy. I envy his ability to do that. Mm. I could not do that. I'm not wired that way. I, I, I sort of got to be in the action. And if I'm not in the action, I, I'm afraid that I would lose a lot of, I mean, I, I hate to be blunt, but it's like, what the hell would I do with my time? I'm not playing golf all day. I'm not going to just sit and read all day, walk the dogs all day. I don't want to do that. I still have dumb, idiotic takes. I still have something to say. I still have something to do. So as long as I feel that way, I'm going to continue to work in this business. And to be honest with you, I'm really, I really like talking to young people about how they go about it. And we have so many great, young, talented people in this town that I've had the opportunity to work with, to help mold, to, you know, watch grow, grow before my eyes. And I can't tell you how much delight I take in seeing that. I, I really do. I learn a lot from them. Unlike some people, I'm not get off my lawn guy, Brandon. I am not. You have to be surrounded by young people. I understand the importance of that because if you're not, you'll get set in your ways and you'll die. You'll die creatively. I love working with young people, younger people, and I love what they bring to the table. So that that's what fuels me. I mentioned this on my last podcast about fulfillment. Essentially, the message was that fulfillment's in the process, not in the outcome. So there's no fulfillment in writing off in the sunset, for example. So this, this kind of goes into what we're talking about right now. I, I mentioned in that podcast that Irv Brown told me that when you retire, you die. And I also said in there that that's obviously not true for everybody, but Irv thought it was true. And, you know, it was for Irv, 
you know, it's fair to also point out that he worked literally his entire life until yeah. uh, he was a ripe old age where he had the best life ever. I want that. That's life. right. Right. I so, so, that's what I was, is that what you're going for? You're going for Irv Brown? No doubt about it. Okay. I, w- I want my last day to be broadcast of some sort yeah, or something. Yeah. I no doubt about it. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, and, and it's not like you're, you, you, you want the spotlight. It's not having the spotlight. It's just that you want to be in the game, man. I, I, I was never a good, I'm, I was a horrible teammate on the bench. I needed to be in the game, Brandon. Mm. I was never one of those, Hey, way to go guys. No, I'm not. I, no, I want to be there. I want to be, I want to be active participant in the game. And if I'm not, then I don't even want to watch the game. That's the way it is. We're going to pivot a little bit before we get you out of here. Let's talk about real estate. I know that just from talking to you personally, I know you do some real estate. That's uh, something that we talked about a few times on this podcast. We've had some different people on here. It seems like on the investment side, a lot of people put free cash flow into into real estate. So I guess just give us for all the business people listening to this, which is probably all of them. Give us kind of your opinion on real estate, you know, the direction that you personally like to go, whether that's commercial commercial, or if you're into renting houses or fix and flip, just give us kind of your, your idea and, and your perspective on it. Well, first of all, I want to say, if my brothers would tell you, I have two younger brothers and a younger sister. I'm the oldest. They would tell you, I am not the person to ask about business sense. I probably have the worst business sense of every member. <laughs> so, okay, my, my business sense is flawed to begin with. And, and, and I'll, I'll make note of that. I just, the only, the only reason I've enjoyed some success in the real estate market is because I've had some very talented people around around me, and it starts with my father, my mother and father who came to this country. My dad came with a sixth grade education and nothing. My mom came with nothing. And they uh, moved here in 1966, and they did what every Italian immigrant at that time aspired to do. They wanted to buy properties because they had none in Italy, none, it didn't exist. So they bought one property, they lived in a duplex, one half of it, rented out the other. When they, when they bought it off, when they finally could pay it off, they would buy another property and so on and so on to the point where he made a nice little uh, apartment nest egg. My dad did. Very nice for a guy who had very little education and knew nobody in this country. If he could do that, then anybody could do it, to be honest with you. That was his, his take. And then my brothers sort of followed suit. My brothers are both involved in the real estate market. They're the visionaries. They're the ones who seek out places to buy Uh, One is a realtor. The other one has done a lot of stuff in the downtown area. And so I've just invested with them and we talk about it all the time. And, you know, it's not a huge empire by any means, but we invest in our city. We love our city and it's important to us. And I'm a big real estate guy, more so than a stock guy or any of that, because real estate's never going to go away. If for some reason you can't rent out a property or the market goes out from under you, we've, we've seen several times you still have that real estate. You still have that house. You still have that apartment complex. It will come back. It will eventually come back. And I can't say the same for other investments. That's why we are a traditional real estate family and it's done us wonders. Yeah, you know, my grandfather came here from Palermo and he bought a little bit of land and developed on it and then he bought a little bit more and he eventually grew started growing celery on it and then they would just sell it and then after each harvest they would buy more land and eventually they you know created a very large celery farm on 52nd and marshall right on the other side of lakeside there wow 
And that's um, why my uncle has his upholstery shop on 52nd and Marshall. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Upholstery's right yeah, there. yeah, Lombardi's. Yeah, yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, yeah, that, he's on, uh, so my, so, so we were on uh, 50th and Marshall. I uh, used 52nd because that's the major cross street there. But yeah, the Spanos wow. greenhouses, all those greenhouses right there on 50th, right off of the highway. That's what that eventually turned into in the, in the 30s, 40s, 50s. Those were sales a salary farm. And then in the 70s, they turned that into they turned that into a nursery. They just put greenhouses in there and then they started doing flowers out of it. And then trucking went in there deep, and the whole thing. Deep in your DNA. And it took you a while to find it. But deep in your genetic makeup, you had that business acumen. You had that entrepreneurial <laughs> skill, yeah. seriously. Sure. And, and, and it emanates from, from the most unlikely places. I mean, you're talking about an immigrant grandfather. I'm talking about an immigrant parents who came over here with zero resources, zero, right. That's right. but somehow became entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. Now, if they can do it, why can't anybody? Yeah. I don't want to hear any excuses. Right. If they can do it, you can do it. That's why it's really hard for me personally when you see that when you see what we just talked about and you're told this your whole life and then you grow up and you overcome things and you're able to do it it's really hard to convince yourself that it can't be done it's it's impossible when you're hearing other people telling you that it that it can't be done and that you know all this stuff that we're hearing now it's really tough to to subscribe to that and agree with that because you just know it's not true well, what's really tough is changing the way you live, changing the way you spend, changing the way you are. That's what's really tough. That's now, right. anybody That's can true. work hard, but what do you do with that money, right? Where do you spend that money? My parents remain the thrifty. I mean, thrifty is not the word. The cheapest. My dad's probably the cheapest SOB I've ever met in my life, and my mom's probably worst, and I, I respect them for it. But, you know, they drive the same cars. They wear the same clothes. They don't live that life. They never will, they never have. That's just the way they are. So you're asking yourself, are you willing to sock away money? Are you willing to do what they did, pay that price? And you know what? A lot of us aren't. That's the blatant truth. Yeah, that is true. I definitely uh, I definitely have a hard time with that and I probably would have been a lot further a lot earlier if I understood. All of us, practice. all of us. Okay, let's go to the uh, final three here. We're going to go to the last round. So first question here is going to be the most important book to you ever. God, that's a great question. God, I'm looking right now at all my books. The most important book I've ever read. Well, I, I've got one book I'm staring at right now, and it's a book that was written by my uncle, my Uncle Tony, about, and I hate to get all personal again, but it was my grandfather's journey to America and uh, the whole story behind it and how... Wow. My whole family got here. He wrote a 500-page book called No, No, Tell Us a Story. I wrote the foreword to this book. Mm. I helped him with a few of the chapters in this book. And it's a story of uh, the family, the old world, and how they got here. And to me, I've read it so many times. I've laughed. I've cried. But it's very deeply personal to me, obviously. I've had other books that have impacted me. But that book, for me, is a deeply personal one. It remains my favorite book ever. That's amazing. Well, uh, let's go to the most underrated athlete of all time. Oh, God, there have been a lot of underrated athletes that I've come across, some that more underrated. I I think in this city, we've underrated Rod Smith for a long time. I think when it's all said and done, we look at a guy like Rod Smith, and he was just so easy, right? He made it look easy out there. And I I think he'll go down as one of the more underrated Denver athletes ever, even though he's he's up there in terms of likability and all that. 
God, Rod Smith was a good player. He's a pretty good so business guy good. too. Yeah, you know, exactly right. He never – he was very – in fact, you should get him on this pod. You want to talk business. Yeah, talk to yeah, Rod yeah. about business. You don't want to talk about anything but business, to be honest with you. <laughs> Last one is going to be the space or the business that you're most excited about in the near future. I think, you know, I, I, I'm really eager to see what happens with how people work from home. Now that we've done this, you know, basic five-month allocation of home offices, what happens when things go back to normal? I want to know, will real estate, commercial real estate stay the same? Will offices be as big as they are? Will, you know, we've had these nice, wonderful, all this room for all these people to work. Is that going to remain the same or are people going to work out of their homes? So I'm really anxious to see how the home office, how that evolves after what we've gone through. Awesome, man. Well, hey, I really appreciate you jumping on today. Great stuff. A little turmoil for you this morning. I'm sure that when I drop this tomorrow, there will be some hey, turmoil hey, for me. Hey, Brandon, Brandon, let me make something clear. <laughs> that ain't turmoil. That's opportunity. There's nothing wrong with being a, in disagreement with something like this. Ain't nothing sure. wrong. I don't wish ill on anybody. I just look at it differently. That's all. Absolutely. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you, man. All right, man. Yep. Take care, Brandon. All right, buddy. See you later. E volavo, volavo venice con alte del sole con coro più su, mentre molto pian piano spariva lontano laggiù. Una music dolce suonare soltanto per me. Volare. Andare, oh, 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 no wonder my happy heart sings. Your love has given me wings. Nel blu dipinto de blu.